All right now, grab your seats, grab your seats. Thrilled to have you tonight. And as I said, we have a real special night ahead of us. Uh, eight years ago, you all know Pete Gregg, yes, Pete Gregg, who's just kind of an extended family member around here. He makes pilgrimage to New Life every year and speaks here. Pete has been a 20-year friend of mine. And about eight years ago, Pete called me and he said, Daniel, I need you to trust me. I've got a friend coming to Colorado Springs and you're gonna need to know him. He will become your friend. You'll want your congregation to know him and I just need you to trust me. And when Pete says, I need you to trust me, I say, sure, great, whatever you say, we're good. So we had Ken Costa come up to speak and Ken Costa, he's here again. This is his third time being here. And, and Ken has been a successful businessman and he has, he's kind of like the Dosa Keys man meets Jesus, the most interesting man in the world. You know, like what hasn't he done? He's been the chairman of Alpha International. You've heard of Alpha, right? He's like the chairman of Alpha and he's working in these ministry worlds, but he's been working in the banking industry for now coming up on 45, 50 years. He's a South African man that lives in London. And Ken and I met eight years ago and hit it right off and we've been in touch ever since. He's become one of those men in your life that when you have a big decision to make, you call him. Uh, You want him to pray over you, you want him to counsel you, you want him to speak into your situation. So Ken is here tonight and uh, I would just like you to open your hearts because the Spirit of the Lord is going to speak to us tonight. We're continuing our series, uh, Who is God? And we're starting now, uh, ironically, to, to talk about Jesus. We've been talking about God the Father for eight weeks. And now tonight we're pivoting to God the Son, Jesus Christ. So would you join me in welcoming uh, one of my dear friends and a friend of New Life Church, Mr. Ken Costa. <laughs> Microphone. Love you. So Ken, I told you he's been the chairman of Alpha. Uh, He's the chairman of UBS, the Union Bank of Switzerland. It's a global investment bank. Um, So like I said, we're going to dive into some stories here tonight. And and I want you to think of this as a fireside chat with Ken. I wish I could give you some chips and salsa or or a a nice drink or something, hot tea, um, non-alcoholic, obviously, here. Uh, But just... Fireside chat, a conversation with a 72-year-old man of God who has weathered the storm, married to the same woman all these years. His children love and respect him. He's got relationships all over the globe where his name is respected. Proverbs 22.1, a good name is more to be desired than great riches. And Ken is one of those guys. So tonight, open your heart to a, a sage. Ken, um, well, Daniel, before please, you, before please you go on, I, mean, lead us. I just love all what you're saying about me. I didn't recognize myself in it, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really nice. And so do you want to carry on? I yeah. mean, <laughs> You'll give me 10, 10 minutes to stop that? No, no I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give you one of those, um, what did you call London it? London Fog Latte. London Fog Latte. Who's ever heard I, I of that? Took, I took a Londoner London to Starbucks on the way to church to get him a London Fog Latte. He's like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> uh, so, uh, Ken, I think just to help people get sort of situated with who you are, where you come from, I think that all of us get out of bed in the morning doing something better than most people. 
meaning we've got a mark on our life. We have a grace. We have an anointing. We have gifts that have been given to us by the Spirit that when you just stand up out of bed in the morning, like you're doing that better than someone who's really striving to do that well. So you've written a book called Know Your Why, right? I have, It's right here in the stack. Right, yeah. What do you do when you get out of bed in the morning? What is it that God has made you to do? You've been marked to do dot, dot, dot. Well, Dan, firstly to say thank you so much for having me here. Um, it's an amazing privilege, and you've, you're an amazing leader, and you've been leading uh, congregations. But I'll carry on for 10 minutes saying how good you <laughs> stop, are. Stop. <laughs> but, but if I could just say one thing, I, one thing I do know, and that you wouldn't have built, you guys wouldn't have built this, this amazing uh, work that you're doing here if it wasn't for the people here right. because of your time, and your energy and your money. Mm-hmm. That's what you give to, to, to be part of growing this, for being marked people. Mm-hmm. And it's a great question. When you wake up in the morning, um, what is it that God has marked you to be? I believe God has a calling on our lives, mm-hmm. on all our lives, mm-hmm. um, not just the religious ones. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. the, the life that you get up to in your workplace. So, you know, I wrote a book called Know Your Why. Uh, I also did, the you know, talking about faith in the workplace, God at work, because my workstation is my worship station. Mm. And when I wake in the morning, I say, oh, do I have to, (laughs) Um, like so many others. And I know that God is there, because when we go to work, when we do what God has called us to do, everyone is different in the way in which God has called you. And when you do that, that's when we strike a blow for, for the glory of God that we've been singing about so brilliantly with your mm. worship group. So when I feel marked is because my workstation is my worship station. And I don't have to tell you, and you wouldn't tell me, it's very stressful out there. Mm. It's stressful in the workplace. It's, it, we're under real pressure, financial purpose. Why am I doing what I'm doing? All of that. Therefore, it's so important to know that God's hand is on you to, to help you, to be alongside you as the Spirit of God is uh, in the harsh commercial compromises that we have to reach day to day in the workplace. Ken, um, it, was it 96 that you helped sell Herod's? Was it 96? Uh, yeah, you seem to have the date better than I do. Okay, so uh, the Al-Fayed family uh, Dodi Al-Fayed was in the car with Princess Diana when she died. They both died. Uh, he helped them sell their business, Herod's, to the Qatari royal family in 96 for 1.5 billion. So you probably made four or five grand on that one. Um, uh, but so, so, you know, maybe 10, 10. But you've been in... I wouldn't you, get up in the morning for that. <laughs> <laughs> so... You, you talk about pressure. You talk about uh, being in heated conversations. How do, you, how do you live as a man of God? Because, again, it's not just for pastors. Thank you for saying this. It, this is, God has ordained all of us to do the work in every sphere that he sent us into. And Ken comes from a unique sphere that he spent his life in. How do you live as a man of God in those high-pressure, high-intensity uh, scenarios. How do you do it? Well, as I always answer the question, say, well, it's not difficult. It's impossible. Mm. 
and, and that's what Jesus said. Mm. You know, it's more you know, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person. And by the way, everybody in this room is, is a rich, rich person exactly. compared to everybody else. Exactly. Um, so one has to start with a fact. And when the disciples, when Jesus said that, they looked startled and they said, well, how? <laughs> how? You know, what, what hope for us? And he said, well, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Mm. So it's that realization. And, you know, I try and say the Our Father every morning is very simple. And I say it for all sorts of reasons, not the least of which is that's what Jesus taught. But also just as a, just as a reminder of my dependence on him yes. for the day. Mm. Uh, for, you know, the, the work, for, for whatever it is. And I think you have to build a kind of resilience to believe, first you have to believe that God has called you to where you are. Because if you don't, it's impossible. Mm. You, you, will, you will just be smacked by all the sort of difficulties of the workplace. You can't survive. That you have to do. But for many people, you know, it's very easy to pray in the morning or say something in the morning. Um, and when it gets to the evening, very few turn around and say, that was a real time of blessing. Mm. Or yes, it was hard. But I think we need both. We mm. need the morning and the evening to sort of put the bookend to God's purposes in our lives. And if you build in those rhythms, you, then, you know, life is, you know, life is bearable. But other, other than that, we, we are not made, we weren't wired to live in a 24-7 world. We, we just aren't. Talk I mean, about but, that. Well, the phone I, buzzing all the time, email coming through. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, well, you're talking to the wrong person. I loved Zoom. Yeah. You know, everybody else hated it. I couldn't wait to see a new friend and a new face. Yeah. So you're talking to the wrong person. But my wife teaches me, and so I learn. The, the <laughs> <laughs> happy wife. Exactly. Um, the, 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 it, it is difficult. And the reason that we find it so difficult is that we are in this, in this unsettled space. We don't think that macro politics, macroeconomics um, have an effect on us. But it, they do. You cannot turn on any of the media mm -hmm. and think, oh, well, that's all happening in Ukraine, tragic as all of that is, yeah. and it's not going to affect my day-to-day -day life. So you have to build in a resilience into the day-to-day -day life because I think, as I've described before, the world as, at the moment is what I call VUCA. It is, it is absolutely volatile uncertain, complex, and, an and anxious. Mm. And that anxiety, the macro anxiety, what, you know, of I mean, fuel prices going up, right. bread prices, the wheat of the world, I mean, yeah. I, 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 don't get me on that, inflation, you, you know that, you know everything is more expensive than it was. So, you know, but, but it does have an effect on us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's so important to build in that resilience, that sense that we can be, sh you know, the world can be shaken, but the rock of Jesus Christ on which we are built and the power of the Spirit of God will get us through the day. And we start the morning, um, and perhaps you might use an app called Glorify, which yes, my son yes. has developed and yes. which is doing amazingly well yes. uh, with a bite-sized Bible and a bite-sized commentary and a bite-sized meditation. Meditation, very important. And end the evening with either, you know, God, thank you for the day or, Lord, it was tough. Forgive me, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> what, even you, Dad? Even you? me, yes. Surely not. Especially me. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Ken, when you were here, the, the, the second time you were here, this is probably f three years ago, 
you said that the challenge of our generation will be what will we make of Jesus? Talk to me about that. The challenge of our generation, what will we make of Jesus? Well, I do think that is still a great challenge. The global challenge is that a generation is looking around and saying, well, you know what, you climb the mountain your way, I'll climb the mountain my way, Mm -hmm. and we'll meet at the top. Mm -hmm. Problem is, when you get to the top, it's just a fog, Mm -hmm. because actually the path isn't clear. Mm -hmm. And it is still the challenge that the divinity of Jesus, the fact that Jesus Christ was God, died for our sins, rose again, sent the Spirit to be with us, is the unique combination that he gives us. Because the uniqueness of it is that forgiveness is the unique inheritance of the Christian faith. Mm. Not only just to, you know, politicians are always saying sorry, but they have no idea what they're saying, and they say it reluctantly. But we know that you don't just say sorry, but you can see your whole life change uh, as, as Jesus comes to enable us to understand that forgiveness is at the heart. And the only way it can be at the heart of our lives is because of the uniqueness of the one who is able to forgive the sins. And that is any one person, mm. and that is Jesus. Mm. And that's what's under attack in mm. the world, mm. the uniqueness of Christ. Mm. So Sadly, nothing has changed in three it, years. It, yeah, it's true. Except inflation's gone up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said, uh, hey, who do people say that I am? And Peter, oh, you know, some say Jeremiah, some say Isaiah, some say... Uh, who do you say that I am? Jesus is always looking at us and asking. Everyone has to answer that question of Jesus. Who do you say that I am? And why do you think, let's, let's speak to our moment, first world, Western, 21st century. Like, what are the challenges that make it easy for us to ignore Jesus? Well, we don't think he's relevant. You know, we, 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 we've got artificial intelligence. We've got quantum um, uh, activities that are coming. We've got a digital world. We've um, got enough money to live. We don't think we need him. Mm. And then a crisis hits, mm. and we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And there's a macro crisis. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought we could possibly sitting here talking about an unprovoked war? Yeah. I mean, it, it just didn't compute mm. in, in our minds. And so, therefore, we 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 have to be able to to recognize that we're living in a hostile world. Mm -hmm. And because we're living in a hostile world, we need to be able to be strong in what we really believe in and hold fast to the good news of Jesus Christ. What worries me is this. I ask the question, is is it the medium? Is it the message? Or is it the messenger? But why is it that the good news is seen to be some bad news Mm. by those for whom it is most, mel- most meant to help. Mm. And I think we're going to have to, post-pandemic, we're going to have to just rethink what church actually is to be more engaged in the communities in which we are living mm-hmm. in order to show that there is a vitality yeah. of the spirit of the living God that affects my day-to-day life. Uh, and that's what matters. I saw it in a bunker this week, a picture of a priest and he's, he must have been six feet tall, and they were underground in Ukraine. And he was having to stump or slump down over the communion table. He's in a bunker serving communion to Christians in Ukraine. And I just thought, man, the American church needs what that guy has. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not, we're not gluttons for punishment. We're not inviting a crisis. But that kind of resilience, that kind of, there is only one who can make the world right. And whether I'm in a bunker or whether I'm on the highest mountaintop, I'm going to break sure. the bread and I'm going to drink the cup. Jesus Christ is Lord. Sure, because, you know, the thing is what the world most needs, we have which is the power of the living God in our midst. Mm -hmm. And um, we need a new confidence to share it. Mm -hmm. And if you'll forgive me for a moment Please. to say this, um, I don't have to describe to you the sort of crisis in your own political world uh, that has been going on for several years or a decade or so. And there's a sort of loss, a lack of conf or loss of confidence uh, in, in America's confidence in the world. And that's a political issue. Um, and it, of course it matters, but if America loses confidence in the gospel, mm. that is a disaster, mm. not for America, but for the whole world, mm. because you're an amazingly generous people. Mm. You are, you, 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 and not only in the money, right. looking, you know, to whether it's in Latin America or Africa, but in the doctors, in the lawyers, yep. in the teachers, in the healthcare people that you send from here yeah. to Ukraine. Yeah. You know, there are many volunteers that have arrived there to help the churches, help people being fed. If you lose confidence in the gospel, mm. that is a terrible thing. So please don't. Thank you. And please help a generation. Find out why is the generation not... Mm. Okay, so what have you learned from Jesus? I'm gonna rip off a few little questions here. What have you learned from Jesus about money? You already mentioned one of these sobering texts, hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, how does that sober you? What does that make you think? And what choices have you made as a result of a text like that? What have you learned from Jesus about money? Well, that uh, the first thing you learn from Jesus about money um, is that it's not what economists call nominal, let me just explain, which is that money is neutral. It doesn't, you know, you could use anything, you could use gold, you can use dollars, it's neutral. Actually, it's, to use a theological term, which I'm sure everybody else will understand immediately, <laughs> if not Daniel, you can explain, uh, it's numinous. In other words, it's got power of itself. Yeah. And I've lived with money every single day of my life, practically for, for, for 40 years. Not quite 50, Daniel. Okay. Um, right. Not that old. Right. <laughs> um, and when, 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 when you see that there is real power in this, in, in money, I, I, know nothing, I don't know a lot, but I know it's powerful. I mean, I, I, and it's powerful for... Every single person, whether you're a student or a billionaire, it is still the same desire for more. So I think we have to realize that there is a relational issue. That What's happening is Jesus says that money wants to form a relationship with you. You know, and so he says you can't love, you can't love money and God at the same time. You'll hate the one and love the other. Well, hate and love are not economic terms. They are not financial terms. We don't mm. use terms like that. Mm. But what he's saying is that be careful. It, you can use it for good yeah. um, or you can use it for darkness. And there are both in the, in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But every day one has to just recognize it's powerful. And don't be naive about the demands of money. What are the practices that you practice to, to continue to be free from it? Well, I think... I mean, at its, at its very base, you have to give um, because you want to. 
but also because it is an act of spiritual aggression ah. against the power, the powers of darkness. Wow. Which is, you can say to them, spiritual this, aggression. This comes from God, um, and it's my privilege to be able to give um, of of what I have. You know what. You know, as Paul writes, what have I? What have we that we haven't received? Yeah. So we have to be spiritually aggressive, um, and, and and be able to see money as an idol, and therefore it needs to be dethroned yeah. in our lives. And the way you do that is by your giving. <laughs> there you go. And you're a generous church. Yeah. Right. 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 You're doing it, but if you aren't doing it, just get into the habit of it. Start small, build it up, um, because it brings with you the sort of fight that we need. Mm. This is not a neutral world. There is a spiritual That's battle right. that goes on right. over our lives, our families, our friends. and the, you know. South African man, uh, what have you learned from Jesus about race? You lived through apartheid. Um, you, you resisted. Friends, uh, friends with Archbishop Desmond Tutu, may he rest in peace. Truth and Reconciliation Commission. You, you've been in those streets. You've been in those townships. You've been in those conversations. What have you learned from Jesus about standing up against apartheid? Well, it's always a painful experience because the hideousness of the brutality of an apartheid regime. And I was a young student at the time and, and we hated what we saw, the injustice of it. You know, the, and so... Race is a, it's a terrible, it's a, just a terrible thing. That, But, you know, what, what I've learned from Jesus is, you know, Jesus is, I mean, there is a political issue, obviously. There is, you know, some macro issues and institutions and all of that. I don't want to go into that. But what I've learned from Jesus on race is very simply this, and it's a simple test. You know, you know how, many, how many people have you brought to your own table at home mm -hmm. how many people have you been to with a drink mm -hmm. how many people have you made friends with it's at that basic level where we reach out as jesus reached out mm -hmm. and i think that's how you build in the human relationships with with each other it's not the only thing i mean yeah, you know, sure. i understand that sure. there are big issues and i suppose that's what it, but the horrible thing is you know that 50 years literally after i took to the streets with all my friends in at the time in marching and protesting and demonstrating against the regime, um, we still struggle with that same issue. And it, I understand the difficulty, but I do think that the thing that Jesus most teaches me is at that very simple level um, to be able to reach out and to be you know, what Jesus would be to uh, so many of my, uh, my, my, my friends uh, around. Amen. Broadening out your friend group. Who have you had at your table lately? It's a good question to ask. And who needs to be at our tables? I think that's a great filter to think through. What have you learned from Jesus about power and influence? Uh, you were appointed by former Prime Minister Theresa May as a special envoy to Saudi Arabia. I was with you one day in London and the next day you were getting on a plane to fly to go see MBS. Uh, maybe the richest man on the planet, uh, right? Uh, so, or, or to go at least talk to... Um, sure, no, it's true. So uh, what have you learned from Jesus about power and influence? Well, um, 
you have to ask the question where the source of the power is. Mm. I mean, w w where does it come from? Who, who gives the power? Um, of course, there are, you know, there are people at the moment who've got vast power. Um, Putin. 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 By the way, on Putin, we must stop saying that he's mad or deranged or unhinged. He isn't. He's just genuinely evil. Yeah. And we don't, and we just, <laughs> we don't like using the word. But, yeah. but, but that's what it is, you see. So I think we have to be careful that we don't just sort of excuse, excuse and say, oh, well, you know, he's cuckoo or something. Yeah. You know, he's destroying a people. Yeah. And so there's that, you know, that bad misuse of power. Uh -huh. But if one recognizes that all authority yes. is given unto Jesus, that yeah. authority comes from him. Yeah that he gives us the authority to live authentic lives, mm -hmm. whether as a banker or as a pastor, yeah. whether as a software engineer, whether it's a home uh, mum or whether it's schooling the kids, whatever it is, mm -hmm. he gives us in, you know, both influence and power. So influence and affluence, they run together. Mm. We need to make sure that our influence and our affluence are drawn together because we're pursuing the kingdom of God. Mm. Um, and that's what I think will make the real difference. Keep going on this because you've, you've written a book, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, and Ken signed two copies of these. I'm going to put them down here so afterwards, you, whoever wants the first two, you can have those. But tell us about Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus was buried in his tomb, and he's this influential, powerful man. Tell us what you learned about Joseph of Arimathea. Well, I've come to love Joe, as I call him. <laughs> Uh, you love another Joe, but uh, <laughs> or maybe not. Uh, but um, my Joe is Joseph of Arimathea. Why is that? Because Joseph of Arimathea was what you might call the small print. Um, he, was, he features in every gospel. There are only 24 verses uh, about him. Um, and he was a business person. He was the one who was at the cross. And when the body of Jesus had to be taken down, with the, you know, tidying up the mess, it was the business people that turned up wow. and phoned his mate Nicodemus, who was also a rich man, and said to him, listen, we've got to do this. Where were the big dogs with yeah. the lots of likes and the, the great Insta following? They weren't there. I mean, Peter wasn't there. John yeah. wasn't there. Right. Um, Thomas wasn't there. I suppose we can forgive him because he had doubts. But, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but the fact... So what I really found that, you know, it was the extraordinary calling. I called it the extraordinary calling of ordinary people. Huh. That's you and me. Um, and, you know, he took that body down. And there are times in our life, you know, the great drama was Friday night, the crucifixion, the resurrection on the next day. He didn't know the resurrection was coming. Mm -hmm. And there is that silent Saturday mm. when God doesn't appear to be close to us, when he doesn't seem to be wanting to talk that you just have to get through and every Christian will go through a time of a silent Saturday. Mm. How do we cope? Not knowing what he knew, but we know what he didn't know was that Jesus rose again. Mm. So I see in him this extraordinary passion for justice. When the trial came for Jesus to be executed, he was the one who says he did not go with the majority. Mm. As the scripture says, he stood out and voted against and that's true of the mum at the school gate who goes to the teacher and says, I don't like what you're teaching. Yeah. Uh, where you stand up in the boardroom and say, I don't think that's the right thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. Or if you're a young pastor in, the, in a church and you say to the senior pastor, that's wrong. We stand up. We are accountant. And that's why I so love Joe. 
He did so not go with the majority. He did not go with the majority, is what Luke tells us. Mm. So get to know Joe. Mm -hmm. he's, um, he's available on Amazon. And so <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry, all, uh, all, everything goes to charities. So uh, <laughs> uh, two texts that you put in front of me, and we'll prepare to close with this here over the next five, ten minutes. But you said, as you were thinking about Jesus and this moment in time that we're living in, two texts and two things that stood out to you. So I want to read the first text and then have you comment on it. It's Mark 8, through 25. It says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought Jesus a blind man and they begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? And the blind man looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. And then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And you talked to me about the second touch. Talk to us about the second touch. Well, this is, this is a wonderful story uh, because it is a true story. Um, and what happens is the disciples come to, to Jesus and say, here is a blind man. Um, now, Jesus could have healed him instantly on the spot, but he didn't. What does he do? He takes him by the hand. Mm. And he doesn't go for a walk. He leads him. Mm. And he leads him outside of the village. Mm. Outside of the area where he's always been. Ah. And during COVID, I believe that you know, he led us, though blind. We were blind. We didn't know what the future was. Yeah. We were filled and crippled with fear. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, we just, COVID ends and a war starts. I mean, it's just terrible. But we, we need to know that if your hand is in the hand of Jesus, yeah. then, you know, he, you, he will lead you, though blind. Mm. Um, and we have to walk and believe that at times we are blind. We don't actually see the future. Mm. So he takes him outside of the, of the village mm. and then... He goes, he, he looks at him, goes into the ground, and of course, it's the ground that, you know, our, our religion, our faith right. is, is material. Yeah. That's why the earth is important. Yeah. And he spits into the ground, yeah. the DNA of God himself right. in the earth that is... That the ground is from which he took Adam and Eve, right? Right? I mean, and, and he recreates. Oh, well, preach it, Hey, ba ba ba. You don't see, make me, Ken. You see what they like, they just... I just snatch it away. I mean. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, where was I? <laughs> Before you rudely interrupted me. I'm so me. sorry. <laughs> oh, we talked about forgiveness. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Second touch. Take me by the Second hand. Second touch. So he, takes, he, takes, he, takes, he takes him by the hand. He leads him outside. Um, he takes the he takes the spit and he, you know I don't like people spitting on me but if it's Jesus maybe make an exception so he takes <laughs> and he touches him and and he says he says can you see anything direct question and he doesn't lie he doesn't say well yeah do you know what I'm healed do you know what yeah. is all amazing that's and that's exactly what he says look I can see movement I can see a shape yeah. but it kind of looks like a tree that's exactly where we are now. Uh. 
you know, post-COVID, we don't know what it's going to look like. Sure. We don't know what mental health is going to look. We don't know whether people are going to come back to our churches. Uh-huh. We don't know what the, you know, whether the economic effects. We just don't know. Yes. So we, we, we're in this world. We, we can't quite see the shape. Mm. Well, the way I say it is that he's got tree sight. He can see movement. You can see a kind of shape in your life. You're not quite sure about the future. Do you change your job? Do you, do, you know, what do you do? But it's not true sight. So you've got tree sight, but not true sight. That'll preach. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and then the crisis occurs. Is that in-between bit when we're not sure, and we see that movement, and we're not sure, and Jesus touches him again, the second touch. Wow. And at the second touch, he takes this, the, the clay, puts it on the eyes, he touches him again, and he says to him, can you see? And he says, I can see everything clearly. Wow. And then Jesus says to him, now go back yeah. to where you are. And to us, you, we gather here, go back to your, to your school, to your mm-hmm. hospital, to your job, to your workplace, mm-hmm. um, to, your, to your children, to your family. Go back, but go back changed yes. because you had a second touch. Yes. So I think, you know, we, it, it, it's, we have had so much information over COVID. We've listened to the best worship imaginable. We've listened to the best preachers oh, imaginable. It's not information we need, it's transformation. Yeah. And that is the yeah. touch yeah. of Jesus. That's right. The second touch of Jesus. Yes. That's what we need. Yes, we do. The second text that you sent me, Ken, that we talked about, I'll read it. Luke 13 says, Then he told this parable, Jesus is speaking, A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any fruit. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should we use up the soil? It's, 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 it's taking all the strength away. It, it's, it's using vital resources. Cut it down. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. The second touch was what we just talked about now. The second thing that you wanted to highlight was the second chance. Talk to us about this text. There's a second chance. A second chance which is unique to the Christian faith. Um, So here's the story. I mean, I don't know what the fig tree is doing in the middle of a vineyard, um, but um, it is. And uh, and the owner looks at it and says to to the farmer, you better cut it down um, because it's wasted. Uh, and you've heard people saying, you know what, you, you're useless. You, there's no fruit in your life. You're not, you, this is not your job. This is not your family. This is, you know, you, 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 someone has said some bad things over you. There's nothing you can do to escape. You're useless. Um, just chop it down. And then the farmer says, and the farmer, of course, is the picture of Jesus mm-hmm. in, 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 in mm-hmm. the story. The farmer says, um, you know, I know that for three years we haven't had any fruit. This is the third year of our post-COVID world. Mm. Um, and he says to him, look, give it one more year. And I want to speak that to you. You know, give it one more year. Give the church that you're part of one more year. Give your own life, that your spiritual life, one more year. And the interesting thing about that is that he doesn't then say, oh, well, do you know what? We'll wait. We'll see. If it bears fruit, it bears fruit. Mm. And if it doesn't bear fruit, it doesn't bear fruit. Mm. We'll chop, you know, who knows? No. 
because God always calls us to be part of yes. the way in which we are to live our lives. Mm -hmm. And he says in the words of the old King James Version, dig it and dung it. Ah. Uh, you know, dig it and fertilize it. Mm -hmm. Aerate the soil. Mm -hmm. Put nutrients into, put fertilizer into the soil. Work at it. Work at it. Work at it in your prayer life, in yes. your giving, in your volunteering, in your concern for other people, mm -hmm. in, the, in you know, building up your own families, making sure that you... That, that what you're doing is for the benefit of other people mm -hmm. as well. Seeing people come to the kingdom of God and their lives changed. And if we aerate that and if we work intentionally to make sure that we're tilling the soil and acting, you know, then, of course, it's the second chance. Yeah. And, and if you've messed up in your life, and many of us have, if you've messed up in your relationships, perhaps you've been addicted to some stuff for the... You know, you've just said, well, I, you know, I can bear no fruit because I'm, I'm taking these substances or whatever it might be. Then, you know, I just, you know, you know that the, the God looks at the lives that we've messed up. Mm -hmm. he, he understands. And what he says is there's a second chance. There is a second chance. Give it a year. Work at it. Work at it. Don't expect it to snap out yes. of it. If you have some dependency on alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, you know, you can't snap your fingers and say it's going to end. Yes. You, you have to work at it. Work at day to day, reading the scriptures, talking to your friends, working in Get small help. groups. Get help. See a counselor. See a counselor. What? All of that. Such that you're then able to say, I've worked at it. I've tilled the soil in a year's time. If you're kind enough to have me back, yes. we will look at the KPIs, you know, the key performance indicators that, uh, <laughs> that we've set for the church and for each individual and say we've grown as a church spiritually, in depth, financially, in our giving and in our resourcing others around us in the community that you're doing so amazingly. Mm -hmm. And we will test it in a year's time. Mm -hmm. Why not? Should we take that as a test one more year? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do for that? Um, and allow him to give you a second chance, a, se a second choice, uh, you know, a second touch, should I say. If, if you know Jesus, then a second touch. And if you don't, then a second chance. But also if you do, you've, you've really screwed up badly or, or screwed up, you know, whether badly or not. Uh, you know, he'll give you a second chance. Would you stand, church? I'm going to have Ken pray over us tonight about these two things, the second touch, the outpouring of the spirit, newness that God has for us, and then the second chance. And so would you open your hands, church, and the band is going to come and we'll get ready to receive communion here in just a minute. But Ken is a guy who knows the spirit of the Lord and who knows how to pray. And I want him to speak blessing. I want him to speak a a fresh outpouring on your life. And so would you close your eyes and would you open up your hands and let's begin to pray around these two things, the second touch and the second chance. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to let your spirit come and touch us now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. So when we say that, we say it with intention we actually mean that the spirit of the living God will come and touch us. Mm -hmm. Touch us right now. Now let the spirit of God come. Come, Holy Spirit. 
don't, uh, can I just urge you to just relax for a moment. Don't, uh, don't screw yourself up to, to believe something, because if you make believe, it's make believe. It's mm. not real. Just to let the Spirit of God come as your hands are drawn out. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We expect every person to leave here tonight with a second touch, yes. if you ask. Yes. So in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, for a second touch, a transforming touch, not just movement. We can't quite see the future of our lives. I do want to to speak to those who are struggling in their workplaces, yes. struggling to find a purpose or a meaning yes. in which you can kind of see a shape but you're not sure what it is. Yes. Just bring that to the Lord right now. Yes. And in the name of Jesus, name we of pray Jesus. for you. Yes. We say, Lord, come. Just bring. He could see clearly, but what he did is just he, the first time he said, I can't see. I can see this movement. Come to him honestly. Yes. Come, Holy Spirit, and touch us. Yes. And now I want to speak one more year over you. Yes. One more year. Yeah. One more year in which you'll go home tonight and write it in your journal. Stick the date down. That in one more year, what is it? What, how will you till the soil? Yes. How will you put nutrients into your life? Yes. How will you strengthen the depth of your mm. spiritual life? Come, Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and bring a newness, yes, a desire to everyone here for one more year so that the church that you're a part of knows that you're, you're, you're all in it. We're in it together. And we want to worship Him now as we let one more year sink into us, into our spirits. We pray, Lord, that you release the gifts of your Spirit on all the people here. Gifts of faith, gifts of prophecy, mm. gifts of healing, mm. speaking other languages, words of knowledge. Mm. Just receive, if you want any of those gifts from yeah. God right now, just, just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. yes and, and I'm going to practice them yes. for the next year. Not today, tomorrow. Yes. One, don't make that commitment yes. if you're not going to do it. Okay, not to do it. But if you are, one more, year. One more year. Come, Holy Spirit, just, just seal the deal now, yes. Lord. Just write it into the hearts of your people. Yes, Lord. And we do not expect to come back in a year's time without seeing yes. fruit on yes. the fig tree yes, Lord. of this church fruit. and on, in our lives. So come, Holy, come Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come. A second touch, Lord. We pray for that. And a second chance yes, because you love us, yes. because you know us. And because you've called us. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you get your communion elements and be ready to receive? If you don't have communion elements, raise your hand and our team will quickly come to you around the room. But I love about what Ken brings. Every time I'm with him, he has an authority in the spirit. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to force it. You just have to trust that God is good and that he is who he says he is and then invite the work of the Spirit. And so tonight, even as we come to receive communion, I need you to not see this as a spiritual routine. I need you to see this as an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That somehow Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it 
and he fed his people and somehow mysteriously by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is here tonight to feed us too. This isn't just a memorial meal. Oh, that happened one time. Isn't that precious? Like, come Holy Spirit and take this bread and make it the body of Christ. Like, feed us tonight and get Jesus inside of us tonight. And cleanse us tonight and and drive out the darkness and drive out the heaviness and drive out the oppression with this drink. Make us glad tonight with this drink. So we're saying, come Holy Spirit, and I want you to imagine, close your eyes one more time, imagine that you're sitting around the table with Jesus on that dark Good Friday night before he goes out into Gethsemane, before he's arrested, before he's falsely accused and cheaply tried, before he's climbing up Golgotha with that cross splintering his back, Jesus is at the table with you tonight. Can you see yourself in that room? Can you look him in the eyes tonight? I want you to see the eyes of Jesus tonight. Does he look mad at you? Does he have a scoreboard? (laughs) Does he have compassion in his eyes? Does he have mercy in his eyes? Does he have kindness in his eyes? Does Jesus look like he's going to take care of you tonight? On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer in your hand? And he said, this is my body and I'm giving it for you. It's broken for you. He's been broken for us tonight. He said, every time you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. And so Jesus, we say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who in the world are you that you love us? Who is God that you just, you just keep coming? You just keep coming. You just keep coming. You just keep feeding us. You just keep breaking open the, the, the bottle. You just, you're, you're the God who keeps coming to us. And we say thank you for not cutting us loose. Thank you for not abandoning us. We have abandoned you. You have not abandoned us. We thank you for that tonight. So Lord, I ask, feed everyone in this house tonight. Feed every hungry soul tonight. Feed every broken heart tonight. Feed every uh, depraved life tonight with the bread of life. Would you feed us tonight? Church, you may receive the bread. On the same night, he took the cup of wine. He said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. And it's given for the remission of your sins. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. There is a second chance tonight. Sins are being forgiven. Will you receive forgiveness tonight? Some of you hate yourself I feel, I, I did not plan to say this. I feel it in my being. You hate yourself. You have, you've made stupid decisions and because of that, you've become so angry with yourself and you're lashing out and all, just the stuff from self-hatred. And tonight in Jesus' name, I rebuke self-hatred. I rebuke it. 
Some of you have been so sinned against. And because of the wound that was inflicted upon you, you've now, you've now started inflicting it. Tonight, may the healing blood of Jesus wash and forgive and cleanse and make glad. Every time you do this, he said, remember what I've done for you. Church, you may receive the cup of forgiveness tonight from Jesus. And now let's worship him together.
I'm sorry I can't stop. Yeah. Come on, church. What else are you going to do on a Friday? For the Lord. For the Lord. 